perfect score. Copyright Serenia Murthy, 2018. This afternoon, when I came home from school, Dad was there. We had planned to put down some new flooring in the basement together. It had actually sounded kind of fun. I mean, I had liked working on the exterior of the house. It definitely brought back memories of Grandpa. But today I just wasn't feeling 100%. I couldn't get my head in the zone. Something had happened at school and I was still processing it. Jason, are you okay? Dad sounded concerned. I tried to shake it off. Yeah, I guess maybe I'm just a little hungry, I said. Well, eat something, he said. There's some leftover pizza in the fridge. I don't want to be breaking any child labor laws. Yeah, like Judy Garland's mother. I dispensed a half-hearted smile and got the pizza box out of the fridge. My advice to you is eat as much pizza as you can before you're 30, Dad was saying. I opened the box and looked down at the slices. The rubbery dough, gooey cheese, and sad-looking vegetables made my stomach somersault. I suddenly found myself longing for Stevie's lunches of yore. She'd have carrot and celery sticks all lined up in little containers with peanut butter for dipping, and there'd be a fresh-looking sandwich and maybe some fruit. Sometimes she'd stick in a kitty juice box just for a laugh. The Westmore kids would make fun of me, but I think they were secretly jealous. I think they'd sit with me just to see what Stevie had come up with that day. The cafeteria menu was posted on a weekly basis, so no surprises there. If we had done something nice for her or something good had happened, she'd toss in some candy or maybe a brownie. I was absolutely salivating by now. Jason? Dad was looking at me inquiringly. I don't feel like pizza. I shoved it back inside the fridge. Dad looked me over appraisingly. Buddy, are you all right? Yeah. Actually, no. Now that visions of lunches past were out of my head, my stomachache was back in full force along with an overwhelming wave of nausea. I curled my tongue, trying to shove it back down, and pressed my fists and pressed my fists into the counter in an effort to avoid spewing all over it. Dad was beside me by now. Jason, what's wrong? He asked in the voice he uses whenever one of us is sick. I guess my face gave me away. It was contorted in pain. I coughed and covered my mouth with my fist. I don't feel so good, I said, fighting down the queasiness. My stomach's bugging me. Can I go upstairs and lie down? Dad felt my forehead. What happened? He asked, and his voice was several notches removed from its ordinary decibel level. I don't know, I said. Might have been the cheese quesadilla I had for lunch. I really felt sick now. That'll get you every time, Dad agreed, but he looked really worried. I'll be okay, I assured him. I just need to lie down. I started for the stairs. Listen, I'll help you out tomorrow, all right? Don't worry about that, he said. Get some rest. I'll be upstairs to check on you in a little while. I'll be fine, I said. I just need to lie down. I wasn't sure whether I'd said that already. I felt pretty, wo- I felt pretty woozy. I stumbled into my room, took off my outer clothes, practically fell into bed, and slept for hours. dark outside when I woke up. I checked my alarm clock, 7 p.m., dinner time. I could smell something downstairs. It smelled good. I guess my appetite was back. I got out of bed, got dressed, and fixed myself up to make an appearance for dinner. I still wasn't feeling real great, but boy was I hungry. 
I went downstairs. Stevie and Allie were the only ones there. They both looked at me with concern. Jason, are you okay? Stevie asked. Dad said you weren't feeling well. I'm fine now, I said. Allison felt my forehead. Where is Dad? He got called into work, Stevie said. She began leading she began ladling out mushroom soup. You hungry? Starving. My eyes gleamed at the sight of the soup. I took a taste. How is it? Stevie asked. Awesome, I said. Stevie and Allison exchanged a look like I wasn't being quite normal. Their voices faded into the background as I continued eating. Stevie said something I didn't quite hear. Yeah, sure, I said, staring at my bowl. Allison had to say something twice before I even realized she was speaking. What? I said. I dimly registered Stevie saying something about video games and charity. Sounds great, I said. The sisters had had enough by this time. Stevie put down whatever she was holding, took hold of my shoulders, and shook me so that I had to look at her. Jason, what is with you? I just said I was going to give away all your video games to charity, and you said... She mimicked me in a doleful tone. Sounds great. She quit shaking me and folded her arms. Mom and Dad aren't here, Allie said. So come on, tell us what happened. Maybe we can salvage it. You never know. She had a point. Mom and Dad weren't here. I coughed. I, um... I got called down to the principal's office today, I began. Stevie whistled and looked at Allie. What did you do? Allie demanded, using a stern tone to cover her very real worry. Nothing. It wasn't like that, I said. It... it was about the PSATs. The PSATs? Stevie rolled her eyes. I swear, schools are getting lamer and lamer. Jason, look. She leaned in, facing me. The PSATs are not a big deal, okay? They don't even count for anything. It's the SATs that count. This is just prep. So you didn't do that well. You have a whole year to prepare for the real thing. Dad is not going to care. Seriously. Ask anyone. Ask Allie. She's right, Allie said. I don't even remember what I got on my PSATs and look at me. I'm in college now and I'm doing all right. It's just a practice test. It sounds like your principal is making a mountain out of a molehill. They started to get up. I cleared my throat. I, um, I got a perfect score, I said. They both froze and slowly turned around to look at me. Per perfect 1600, I stammered. Stevie set down her plate and sat down again. She stared off into space. Allie copied her movements. Perfect 1600, Stevie repeated, trying to make herself believe it. Yeah, I said, feeling nervous. Wow, she raised her eyebrows. That changes things. That's what I was afraid of. Jason, Allie's hands were clasped and her eyes were shining. That's awesome. I always knew you were smart. She, she looked triumphant. What did dad say? I haven't told him yet, I confessed. My fists were next to each other on the table. I fidgeted with them. Jason, this is good news, Stevie said impatiently. I know it's breaking the habit of a lifetime, but you don't have to hide this from him. They are going to be so proud, Allie sounded happy. That's exactly what I'm worried about, I said. They looked at one another, confused. They are going to be so proud, I said, for like maybe five minutes. Right after that, they'll get on me for not applying myself all these years. Then they'll say, I'll, then they'll say I'm damn well going to start working up to my potential. 
I'll have like five hours of homework every night because they'll enroll me in every AP class going. I'll be stuck in some dumb internship all summer and never ever get to have any fun or spend any time with Piper or my friends. It'll get even worse after I graduate. I'll end up going to some Ivy League stuffed shirt factory. I'll get streamlined into the system that churns out clones. I'll be sucked into business or politics. All my clothes will come from Brooks Brothers. I'll end up marrying a B-list model for whom I am the consolation prize for not hitting the Paris runways. I'll prove my wealth by buying a split-level mansion and a Rolls, which I will then use to drive to the office and the golf course, where I will proceed to spend the rest of my life talking to my equally soul-deprived colleagues about how damn terrific it is to be rich, marry arm candy, and drive a Rolls. My kids will go to prep school, and for some reason, I'll want them to turn out just like me, except better. And then one day, I'll just die old and bored and alone, and no one will even know that I was here. I had to break off the last word a little abruptly because I was short on breath and long on emotion. There was a silence after I'd said my piece. That is one hell of a Bogart, Stevie finally exclaimed. Damn, sucks to be you. Brooks Brothers' designs are so unimaginative, Ali mused. She caught my eye. And all the other stuff you said sounds pretty bad too, she hastily added. Look, don't go freaking out. Stevie placed a hand on my knee and shook it. For one thing, I don't think mom or dad will even have the energy to do all that. At this point, they're just happy to come home and find the house still standing. Except dad's unemployed, Ali pointed out, leaving him with all the time in the world to lavish on Special J. She waved her hands with a dramatic flourish. What had I gotten myself into? I lay my head down on my forearm and groaned aloud. What's the use of crying over spilt milk? Stevie demanded. Why couldn't you have screwed this up like you do everything else? She gave me a shove. Leave him alone. We all make mistakes. Allie put her arm around me so that her hair fell over my face. Don't worry, Jason. She squeezed my shoulder supportively. We'll cover for you. You can sneak out every couple of nights. We heard the sound of a familiar someone clearing his throat. <clears throat> Girls, could we have the room, please? They were out of there like that. I sat up. Dad was wearing an amused expression. Allie set the timer, I heard Stevie say from the kitchen. This was followed by some beeping. I met Dad's gaze head on. Well, the good news is, I'm feeling better, I said. He took a seat. From what I hear, that's not the only good news, he said. I shrugged and averted my gaze. Sixteen <clears throat> hundred? He could hardly keep the elation out of his voice. Yeah, I don't know what happened, I said in an offhand manner. You worked hard is what happened. He reached out and chucked me under the chin. I swear, his eyes were s and voice were so full of pride and affection that I didn't know where to look. That's amazing, Jason. I sort of grinned. I'm so... He shied away from any expression of emotion. He coughed. Just wait till we tell your mother, he said. She'll hit the roof. You mean in a good way? I asked, and we both laughed. Why didn't you want to tell me, he demanded. I mean, I get why you didn't want to tell me. He waved his hand to indicate that he'd heard some of my monologue. I don't know, I said. Nice cover story, by the way, he said, with the stomach ache and all. I never suspected a thing. We really ought to induct you into the CIA. I shrugged. It wasn't a cover story, I said. I really did have a stomach ache. Yeah, as long as we're on the subject, Dad looked at me with a sort of tender concern. 
Jason, what is it with those stomach aches of yours? He was looking at me intensely now, and I felt kind of embarrassed. I shrugged. Nothing, I said. Because your sister said you've been having them for a while now. They said it's becoming chronic. He looked at the ceiling and mused out loud. You should have seen them when I told them you'd gone to bed, he said. They leapt right into action. I grinned. I could well imagine it. Nurse Allie and Nurse Stevie. They started in asking me what your temperature was. <clears throat> Did he have chest pains too? What do you mean you didn't ask? He mimicked Allie's indignant tone. I'll tell you, I felt like one incompetent babysitter. He let out a rueful laugh. I smiled. Allie ran upstairs <clears throat> with a hot water bottle. Stevie made some ginger tea. <clears throat> I could tell it wasn't their first time. Dad looked at me. You've been going through this for some time now, haven't you? I shrugged. It's on and off. Stevie filled me in while she was making the tea, Dad said. She said the first one was during our first year here, right after she moved back home. Well, I wouldn't say it was right after, I said. I mean, she didn't cause it. Actually, she fixed it. It went away after she started making our lunches. Dad eyed me shrewdly. And it came back again when I let your laptop get stolen. It wasn't your fault, I said automatically. Don't blame yourself. I don't. He rubbed his forehead and emitted one of those fake laughs you fake laughs you make when you're trying to cover up the fact that you're mad at somebody. He looked up. Jason, I don't know how many times I have to tell you this, he said. You have to tell me when you're sick. It's, you're my kid. It's my job to take care of you. Dad, I'm 16, I pointed out. I don't need you to kiss my boo-boos. This was just a stomachache. When I'm dying, I promise I'll let you know. Well, I suppose there's some comfort in that. He sat back in his chair and surveyed me. Stevie says the first time it was diagnosed as an anxiety attack, he said. Regular fountain of information, that sister of mine. And that you didn't get the prescription filled. Dad narrowed his eyes at me. Well, we couldn't, I said defensively. The pharmacist said we needed the signature of a parent or legal guardian. Dad sighed and rolled his eyes heavenward. Jason, I don't know how to tell you this, but I happen to qualify on both counts. Dad, I squirmed. It wasn't necessary. It was a misdiagnosis. I don't get nervous. So I've noticed he was thinking about the PSATs. Stevie's lunches fixed it, I reminded him. Yeah, he sat back and ran his hand through his hair. And she was the one who came to the hospital when you were doing your stint for appendicitis. It wasn't appendicitis, I reminded him. If Stevie had let me stay home like I'd asked her to, she wouldn't have missed her Harvard interview. Yeah, so she said. Dad was thinking back. So the doctor said, I laughed. They ran their tests. It wasn't appendicitis. I was fine. And it wasn't much of a stint. I was only there for a couple of hours. Yeah, Dad was still lost in the past. Your mom and I were both abroad at the time. Stevie told us you were fine. She was right. I didn't want them blaming her after everything she'd put herself through on my account. I was. I am. This afternoon was just a one-off. Dad chewed his lips and pressed his fists against his chin. He leaned forward and frowned at the floor, deep in thought. In spite of what I'd said to him earlier, I found myself feeling a little nervous. When he looked up, I sensed that he'd made a decision, the kind that stays made. We're going to see a specialist, he said. Dad, I protested. I knew he wasn't going to change his mind, but I had to try anyway. Come on. 
It's becoming a pattern, he said. It's becoming chronic. Those sisters of yours have become far too good at what they do for me to ignore it any longer. It's just their way, I griped. I'm not sick. We'll let the specialist decide that, buddy, he said. His tone was gentle. I let it go. He'd made up his mind. Several beeps interrupted us at this point. Dad and I both looked up. <clears throat> Jason, you good? Stevie called from the kitchen where Allie had set the timer for five minutes. Yeah, we're good, I called back. He's still normal? Allie asked. Was he ever? I shot back. Also, which one of us are you talking about? Dad laughed and the girls went upstairs. So about this test, Dad began. I'm not going, Ily- I'm not going Ivy League, I said quickly. I mean it. I'm not. Jason, no one's going to force you to do anything you don't want to do, he attempted to soothe me. About 95% of my life experience contradicts that, I reminded him. He laughed. Okay, I meant no one's going to force you to take up a major or a career you don't want, he said. That part stays with you for all of your adult life. So that, he gestured at me, is all you. Thanks, I said. But just for the sake of argument, he looked at me. Why don't you want to go Ivy League? I shrugged. Don't want to get sucked into the system, I said. He nodded. I understand. No, you don't. For some reason, I felt mad. He looked surprised. You think I'm just a total slacker, I accused him. But the truth is, I have my own ideas about what I want to do with my life. Jason, I don't think you're a slacker, Dad said. And I'd love to hear your ideas. He leaned forward. Hit me. I'm all ears. I found myself boxed into a corner for my real meaning. I attempted to formulate my intent into words. It was surprisingly difficult. I'd never actually told this to anyone in person before. I'd never even written it down in my journal. I marshaled my thoughts. For the past few months, I've been corresponding, Dad looked nervous, with a professor of metaphysical thought. He's accredited. He has a doctorate and teaches at a university. I checked. Dad looked relieved. I left out the name of the university for now. He, uh, he does some really interesting work. Dad looked intrigued. He's written books. He's delivered international lectures and TED Talks. He's a leader in his field. I mean, he's really good at what he does. Dad clearly wanted to know more, but compelled himself to remain silent until I'd finished. I have to say, I kind of respected that. So he, like, looks up these ancient texts that are relics from the past, from all over the world, Tibet to New Mexico. And one intriguing finding is that most of the works are written by men. So where are all the female-authored works? Because the women were there, obviously. They had to have been there for us to be here. Dad nodded. So he's focusing on recovering and translating those texts. I know it sounds like an impossible task, but some texts have started to turn up. I guess voices will not be silenced, even across the ages. <clears throat> so he's working on that. You know, preserving the wisdom and understanding of the ages for the next generation. It's really starting to take off. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe I could make this my line of work. Become a historian. He says, if I get my undergrad in history and a master's, he'd... Well, he said he'd be my guide for my dissertation. My PhD. I mean, I know it's not as glamorous as public service, but Jason, Dad looked amazed. I would totally be okay with that. Really? I looked at him skeptically. Because I know it sounds a little flaky, you know, chasing after invisible texts. 
Not at all, Dad said. I've done some of that myself. I'd forgotten Dad used to be a religious scholar. And it's not all about looking for hidden material, I continued. There's a lot of existing text that needs to be studied, understood, consolidated. Jason, Dad held up a hand. You've convinced me. I'm sold. I felt relieved. Dad leaned in with a mischievous smile on his face. You had me worried there, he confided. I was mentally preparing myself to hear the words garage band. He sat back with a grin. I burst out laughing. But I don't play an instrument, I reminded him, anymore. Like that's ever stopped anyone, he grinned. And what's all this about following Piper to her college of choice and getting a job there? I blushed. So Uncle Will did rat me out, I said. He was worried about you, Dad said. So was I. I'm glad he told me. Jason, I know you love her, but you're far too smart to get stuck in a dead-end job just so you can stay in the relationship. And for the record, I knew that before you took the PSATs. Who says it has to be a dead-end job? I demanded. You ask Stevie how difficult it was for her to find meaningful employment without a college degree, Dad advised me. She'll tell you. Dad, I'm going to college, I assured him, and he breathed a sigh of relief. I know I can't mooch off you and Mom for the rest of my life. If it didn't work for the firstborn, it sure as hell isn't going to work for me. Jason, it isn't like that, Dad consoled me. All three of you will always have a home with us as long as we're alive. That's guaranteed. We just want to make sure you'll be okay once we're gone. I was touched. I couldn't tell Uncle Will everything, you know, I said, dragging my fingernail across my palm. I mean, he's an MD. He's a practical guy. I felt sure he'd laugh at me for making such an, I don't know, esoteric career choice. I kind of thought you would too. I was a religious scholar, you know, Dad reminded me. Doesn't get more esoteric than that. He leaned back in his chair and sighed. Of course, he had to invoke Grandpa next. I felt exasperated. Dad, just stop, I protested. You always do this. It's why I don't tell you things. What? He looked genuinely bewildered. What do I always do? Every time we every time we try to have a conversation, it ends up being about you and Grandpa. He let this sink in. We're not the same, I continued. I actually don't resent you that much, or at all, really. Oh, Jason, Dad started to say, but I wasn't done. I mean, I could do the whole follow-in-your-footsteps thing like Stevie's doing. I could do that, even if it isn't what I really want to do, just to, you know, make you proud. But I also know that one day you're not going to be here. So I looked at him questioningly. How would I go on? Dad looked a little emotional. Come, come here, he said, motioning me over to him. This phrase hasn't always served me well in the past, but I went anyway. He pulled me into a hug. I may have grown several inches over the past couple of years, but my forehead still gets buried in his shoulder. Listen, I'm sorry if I do that, he said. I don't even realize I'm doing it. It kind of does itself. Yeah, I happen to know a little something about that, 